What are we doing here? Well, I thought we were just chit-chatting, but apparently we're recording a podcast, so I guess if you want to do that, we could do that too. We were. I was just seeing if it like would flow any better if we just like ran right into it. Well, I think there was like a three-second gap there, so the flow wasn't great. You're right. I assume that you'll fix that in post. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, we'll just leave it in. So, uh, due to the incessant mm. complaining I have received from individuals that shall not be named, I have purchased a new webcam. Dude, uh, I can guarantee you I have no idea who that person is, although I assume that the name rhymes with Rarin Pony. Et <laughs> <laughs> all. Um... At all, but time out here. I might I, I I hesitate to add. It's still potato, so you clearly haven't turned like taken it out of the box yet. Right, uh, I actually haven't gotten the box yet. I ordered it on. Oh, so like a lot of the people I pay attention to on the internet have complained mightily about Amazon's policies towards smaller companies and how they make it nearly impossible for anyone to become a distributor because they're able to make things so cheap. I decided okay. to go with a non-Amazon site in order to buy the the webcam. Ah, okay. Which site? Newegg. Newegg? Um, cool. and, I, and this is... The camera's not here yet. I ordered it on Sunday. Okay, okay. I just want to complain. How many emails do you think you should receive after making One. a purchase? One. I was going to say two. Okay, two, two. Okay. Thank you for your purchase. Should be sent yeah. immediately to let you know something's been bought. Correct. And then when they ship it, I'd like them to let me know that it has shipped with a tracking order. Ooh, okay. I mean, yeah, okay. I don't I don't mind that. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Are, are we – one thing that's kind of cool, and I, I'm going to go ahead and peg myself here. I am an unabashed Amazon, like – uh, junkie, almost. <laughs> like I don't even think that. Like my veins are. Look, look at, look at my arm. Oh, it just says Amazon on up. it. <laughs> it's fucked up. Those veins are used. <laughs> um, and I feel like they give you. They're like, you bought this shit, and here's the tracking number we're going to use. Is like how <laughs> badass they are. Well, um, so you feel like you need less or more? I'm kind of confused no, here. Two is how many the maximum you should have. I also Maximum. believe, I mean, if you can get it all in one, that's better. Uh-huh. But two, that's like, I don't know what other information you need to be sending me besides, hey, look, you bought it, just a confirmation that you bought it so that when you use your credit card, you know that you've used your credit card. And so that when you didn't use your credit card, you should get an email immediately and letting you know that someone else is using your credit card. That's the purpose of that first email. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. The second email should be, hey, look, the thing you bought. It's on the way. Here's the tracking number. Our part of this bargain is done. Any future problems, they're with the the, the shipping company. Right? Yeah, okay. That's it. That's the end of the contact I want with this company. Yeah. So how many did you get? I've got, I'm up to six new eggs. Six? Six new egg emails so far. I was thinking maybe we're at four. No. We're just a little frustrated. About 30 six? minutes ago, I got my sixth email about the same purchase. Dang. Is it tracking info changed? or No. It's just... It's just, I don't know. 
Is it that there's been a webcam apocalypse and they can no longer fill your order? The first email was the confirmation email. Uh-huh. The second email was to let me know that my char- my card had been charged. Okay. The third email was the tracking number. Okay. The fourth email was, thank you for your order. Here are a few items you might have missed, which fuck you Ooh. for sending it. Yeah, that's no good. It's no good. And then the fifth email was <laughs> a invoice. What the fuck do you need that for? Isn't the first one slash maybe two an invoice? I'm just reading you like the titles of the emails. Yeah, okay. And the fourth e- and the and the sixth. sixth email is related products that are on sale. Wow. Yeah. So, I, on the one hand, I feel like Newegg probably didn't used to be that bad, and now they're just like getting so shit on by Amazon <laughs> that they feel like they need to sell you as much stuff as possible. Uh, There's going to become a time in the not distant future where I'm going to make a very large computer purchase. Yeah. And if in order to make it, I have to receive six emails, I might not make it. Dang. I was going to say Newegg is my go-to for computer purchases, and I don't know why. It just feels so nostalgic. Well, back when we (laughs) built our first computers, Amazon wasn't what it is. It was a bookseller. Yeah. And B, it was significantly cheaper than Best Buy, which was the other option. So it was like Newegg felt like cheating because it was so much cheaper than everything else. But now the internet is so interlinked that even if it was cheaper, almost everywhere has price matching. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like you're going to be receiving a computer parts from Amazon. I think in the not too distant future. You know, the first time I ever was present for the purchase of a computer, it was at a store. Yeah. I was very young. My dad was buying a new computer for the home, for the whole family mm-hmm. to use back when that was a thing that they did as a family computer. And yeah. we went to a store, we bought the parts, my brother and my dad went home and built it. Oh, really? That's probably ahead of the curve. I feel like most families probably bought their gateway with the monitor and the tower and everything all at once. This is not how my dad went, you know? He, he was... Nice, man. Like, yeah. Ahead of... He's, he's going, riding alone. The second computer that I was ever present for the purchase of was my brother's personal computer back when... A family computer. My dad needed it for work. Jess and I played games too much. We took up the phone line a lot. He was like, I'm going to buy Jess a computer. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. They bought that computer. Nice. I don't know exactly where they bought it from, but they also built that one. Nice. Okay. A few years later, when it came to buy my computer, we ordered it online. And it all got shipped in boxes, and we put it together. What age were you? When what? When, with that computer. Oh, when I got my computer, I probably 13 or 14. Okay, okay. Well, shout out to Rick Gambrell circa 2005, 2006, when uh, one of his sons, Rob, had a friend over. Oh. Fred was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And helped, helped Rob uh, break his power supply via, I believe, I believe a spray can of air. Of air, uh, and, 
to, just shrugged it off and was like, "It's cool, bro. Don't be, don't be, don't beat yourself up." To be fair, I was like, it was very entertaining. We stuck like <laughs> if you don't know what a power supply is. It's a big rectangular prism, usually black, with a whole bunch of holes in it where there's air that comes out because it gets very hot. And uh, we had sprayed it with a little bit of air and like created a, a dust explosion. A vape cloud worth of dust came spraying out of all of the other holes. And yeah. so obviously we had to recreate that. We had to keep going. Keep keep blowing dust out of this thing. And then we got bored of that after a while. Put the computer back <laughs> up and hit the power button. Nothing happened. <laughs> Flick the little power switch on the power supply a couple times, see if it would re- recycle, you know, reset itself. Now that bitch was dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to say I'm thankful that at least it was only the power supply. But I felt so bad. And your dad, like, we went and told your dad or he came upstairs or something. And he saw us, like, fucking around, like, all like, oh, shit. And your dad was like, it's cool. Like, this happens. And I was like... Thank you, Mr. Gambrell, for not making me feel like the asshole that I am. For encouraging you to continue to blow way too much air on this thing. I don't have any more of those spray cans around. I should get some. I should, too. I was just thinking that the other day. And no shit, I cannot look at one of those without thinking of you and your dad. (laughs) Like, I'm not kidding. Anytime I've ever used a spray can, I think, remember that time Mr. Gambrell was cool and didn't make me feel like a terrible person? Well, to get back to the original story, we bought and built our first (laughs) computer from a store probably 2000 or 1996 or 7. Yeah, okay. And then I built my last computer from internet ordered parts probably 2009. And it looks like, yeah, this is the same computer I had in College Station. Dang. Yeah, still running it. Wow. Uh, and it looks like either 2018 or 2019 will probably be the year of a new computer, and it looks yeah. like I'll be going back to buying it at a store. Interesting. Okay, what are you going to do? Like, hit up a Fry's or something? I was going to go to Micro Center, since I think that Fry's got, okay. got too big for its britches, and it's back to being just another Best Buy, whereas <laughs> Micro Center has kind of stayed true to just being a computer store, where Fry's is trying to be kind of a electronics store. I'd say at this point, almost even more than that. There's tons of shit there. Yeah, it's not what I want to go to. I want to go to a place that specializes oh, yeah. in this thing because they're going to have more selection yeah. and better prices. So I probably did 2013 uh, is when I built this computer, uh, bought most of the parts off, uh, bought all the parts off of Newegg, um, and then I upgraded my motherboard, CPU, and uh, video card around 2015. I want to say. I would argue that if you've got a new processor, a new motherboard, a new video card, then you've got a new computer. Yeah, I would argue <laughs> that too. That's, You're right. That's, I, 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 that's key pieces. This is true. Have you, never, have you not but upgraded dude, the hard drive at all since then? I have not. I kept the one. Wow. I had a Samsung. Uh, it's a, it was a pretty good Samsung 500 gig. You realize uh, how much faster SSDs have gotten over SSD. the past four years. Well, they're not even SSDs anymore. Now they have the, what are they, NVMe ones? Yeah. They are, like, are like, multiple, multitudes, like, faster. Like, there's, yeah. like, upgrading your hard drive to the latest hard drive will make your computer significantly faster than oh, any yeah. other individual piece will make it. 
Well, because that's the bottleneck, right? Yeah. Your CPU cannot, like, you cannot, I mean, it can consume, like, ten times as much as it can pull off the disk yeah. per second. Like, it can be doing math and shit or whatever you're doing. Faster than your disk Wave. can give it to it. Exactly. And so the disc is almost all if you play a game, your if you got a pretty recent video card, your CPU and your video card are chilling. It's your disc that's doing all the work. I have all of the podcasts we've ever recorded on my computer right now, and I'm thinking I need to get something external to start putting those on because it's starting to take up a big hunk of space. Dude, dude. The cloud yeah, do you remember the time when that didn't work out for us and you asked me if I had all of the episodes we'd recorded up to that point and I just had them ready to go? Uh, yes. But 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 I'm saying, like, let's take all the shit that you have and put it on, like, a cloud. I hadn't done that. Like, just put it in a location. Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, How whatever you want. How much space do you think all of these take? Uh, if you're working off the projects and we're sitting around 50, I'm going to give you, oh shit, 500, like probably 500 gigabytes. Yeah, probably something like that, yeah. You know how long that's going to take to up, I, I, it's currently loading how much space it is and it's yeah. currently at <laughs> 80 gigabytes and climbing rapidly. Um, and climbing, okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's true. That would be a lot of space. Uh, maybe no, an external is stopped. Isn't... Stopped? What are we at? 150? 124. 24? Okay, so... 124. 124, yeah. Not quite as much as I thought, but still, like, it's pretty good. Like, 300 megs per episode. Um, yeah, it's probably because you've got all the raw files as well. I do. Um, and you've got the project file and things like that. Well, I keep so. the raw files in case we ever get sued for using the song we use. That way I can just go back into each one can... and stick a different <laughs> song in there. I will just re-upload we, them all. We can recut it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea. Dang it! Um, In the middle of the recording of our podcast, Chelsea Roney posts to freaking mess up my audio. Oh, damn it, Chelsea Roney! <laughs> okay, I feel like we should move on. I've got two intro topics uh, that I wanted to cover. The first one I is, I know what it is actually no 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 because I've got that's that's a short topic that's not an intro topic <laughs> and I think you do know what it is because let's be honest I'm me and this is us uh, that's a pretty good show by the way um, shout out to Brent uh, I think he won't mind because he posted publicly to the fairly public uh, <laughs> Facebook page that we have. Great, like, just a great read. I wonder if he'll ever let it, like, I, I, this is my shout-out to Brent saying, hey, can I post this whole thing? He just had a good experience. I don't know how this happened, but he basically crossed paths with a guy who had dogs on the herd of his truck, which wait, is wait, mind-blowing. Wait, say that again? Where were the dogs? On the hood of oh, okay. his truck. Okay. So hopefully that was a typo? Bed of the truck? I, I don't know. Anyway... Crossed paths with this guy and had basically an existential, philosophical, political conversation with this guy. I mean, but that seems um, like – I haven't talked to Brent in a long time, but that seems like the kind of conversation he would have, right? I agree. This is a Brent type of activity. Yeah. Like, if, if, Which, if you had posted this happened to you, I would have said, no, it didn't. No. <laughs> that didn't happen yeah, to you. This is, this is made up. <laughs> I agree. And, and I hope Brent knows that this that's not a uh, – 
It's not a dig. Like this is a Brent type of activity in a good way. Yeah, the, in in like a the patience. Yeah. The patience he would have. The patience he would have to listen to someone say a bunch of stuff that you disagree with and then not get heated. Yeah, and and one thing I think he said that I think I, I just kind of wanted to read part of his um part of what what he wrote uh, because I think it's pretty good. Um, and I'm trying to highlight it so I keep it constrained because I, I don't want to read the whole paragraph, but it's sometimes hard to enunciate um, that, you know, th- this whole like we talked about welfare, poverty, getting out of poverty and things like that. He basically summed it up a little bit and just saying like there's something flawed about the assumption that it's feasible to achieve comfortable life out of poverty with enough hard work, which is not always the case case and largely systematically false for those with access to loving homes health issues free sorry health issue free genetics which is a a point in of itself like right it's just like are you do you have some type of genetic issue or just born less bright than average or whatever it is a good education clean and plentiful water and air and food and responsible mentorship then I agree that it's probably feasible to work your way out of poverty, right? So maybe you're, you're monetarily poor, but you've got a loving home, health issue, free genetics, good education, clean and plentiful water, and, and food and mentorship. Like, okay, you, you know, you've got the food, you've got the base level food, air, water, loving home. Then it's probably feasible with, a, with enough like internal locus of control and drive to bring yourself to a equal or greater standard of living. I would, I would say that's not a hundred percent true, but it's pretty true. I feel, I feel like it's possible and that, that feels, and I think that's what we're kind of like missing when we say that this American dream is possible. Yes. If you envision your life, even if at poverty, but if you envision it with all of the same loving and su- like love and support, that right there is like a huge chunk of it that a lot of people just do not have. And I think that's the thing that I'm that we're kind of more getting to. That's sometimes hard to enunciate. That that it's not even these monetary factors. It's just these like intangible. Are you a are you comfortable and are you loved and supported? Do you have anything to add there? Uh, I just I just felt like Brent there's a lot of things he said in that parag- in that story that were worded in such a way that were so much more elegant and thought out. Like he didn't say with good schooling. He said with yeah. good mentorship. And I feel yeah. like like schooling is part <laughs> of the mentorship. Like if you have really good teachers that they become mentors. Yes. But also it's not just the school's responsibility, it's also having parents at home that are pushing them to be great at school rather than parents yeah. at home that think school's a waste of time. And it's yeah, like, or just it's not, don't even pay attention. It's not that the skills you learn in school are so important to the rest of your life. It's having done it that makes society recognize you as having done it that's important. Yeah, and, that's a good point, and too. It's, and it's not – like we joke sometimes about how easy high school is and just show up and you're good. But for so many impoverished families, just showing up is really hard. 
No question. And like like and that's one of the things that like I really it's it's crazy that you know and that's why I say I can't even empathize with that because it was so much like when I didn't show up, it was because I was just super lazy. And that was just like how um conceited and self centered that was to to squander even one day of education, whereas other people, they, they can't even get there. They have to walk to school every day or they're hungry, right? Like, this is something that I can't even begin to fully empathize with because when I wasn't there, it was because I was an asshat. Also, right? when you showed up at school, every day you went to well-structured classes taught by people who knew the subjects, loved the subjects, and took the time and effort to do lessons. Whereas yeah. in some of the poor, like, struggling school districts, the teachers spend more time trying to prevent the students from harming each other or harming themselves yeah. than they spend putting together lesson plans trying to get their students to write essays on, like, a particular event in U.S. history or trying to teach calculus so that students can go on to take calculus three before they even leave high school or they can go on to like yeah it's like all of these things like like where they have we had like lab experiments where we would go to a science class and then we would talk about a thing and then do the thing we could take for granted yeah. that there, there are schools where there's no lab are you kidding there's no lab there's no bunts and burners these kids like you can't, yeah. you can't do that and so and the other thing that brent said in his thing was like you keep pointing it out but like the the health thing. It's not just like if you just wrote good health care, people are going to think immediately, oh, he broke his leg. Maybe he was doing something irresponsible. But that's not yeah. a huge part of the problem. It's like type 1 diabetes that's far more prevalent in minority communities than it is in non-minority communities in the United States. And it's a huge health issue that takes a lot of money and a lot of like vigilance to just deal with on a day-to-day basis, and it's not your fault that you have yeah, it. Yeah, or, or even, like, good eye care, right? Good eye care. Like the, good dental right, care. Like, not having your teeth not yeah. hurt every day. Yeah, like, it, it's one of those things that, you know... I, I, and that's the thing that I don't understand. It's, it's still... I don't want to get into a big discussion about anything, but it's just, like, there's so many of these little things that... Uh, we take for granted. And I know it was harder for our parents' generation. And I'm not saying that it wasn't in many ways, you know. Um, but there's these, like, essential things that I think even that made you so not impoverished that the monetary part, while a a piece of it is only a small portion, right, of the total package of your your genetics even and and maybe one day we should have the philosophical conversation like part of capitalism in my opinion is this kind of thing well if you're smarter then you do better and you win and you have more money right and it's it's kind of like should that be true like i i don't know that that's an an effective or actually positive way to live to to structure a society i think that it it definitely isn't the best way. Yeah, yeah. I think that structuring an economic <laughs> system around capitalism where you throw – like I think a system – so like you know, you think of 100% capitalist versus 100% socialist. I don't think there's anyone on either end of that. No. And I think that given you, given you know, human history, it's hard to argue that 
something favoring more towards the capitalist side is probably going to work better for a, for a large scale economy. Agreed. But I think it might be closer to like 60-40 rather yeah. than 80-20. Or 90-10 or yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, okay, so the second little intro topic that should be pretty short that I want to bring up. Uh, Microsoft, mm, GitHub. I don't know if you heard this, acquired GitHub today. Which, if you, you don't know anything about IT, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, now, tell me, our, okay, look, briefly explain what GitHub is. Okay, so GitHub is a source control platform. Okay, so what, what ends up happening is you go code. Okay, great, you wrote a little game. But sometimes you want to write a bigger game with other people. And so you've got Rob working on one piece. Like Rob's doing all of like the, you know, the flight mechanics for the game. And I'm doing all like the models for the game or something like that. So Rob's got to be working on one part and I've got to be working on another part. So what you use is a thing called source control. And so if you've ever used like um, SharePoint or even like OneDrive for Excel you can get like this history of what was done in Excel. And that's what GitHub is. GitHub is a history or source, your source code management tool, source control for programming, for a computer project, like uh, software engineering projects. The interesting thing about GitHub is it, it's designed to be for open source software. So that means that like people just decided to write a piece of software and put it out there for free. And the interesting thing here, the, probably the most well-known piece of open source software, which as far as I understand, or as far as I know, is not on Git, or not on GitHub, it is on Git. That's a separate discussion. Anyway, GitHub is just a location to use this source control tool called Git, G-I-T. But the biggest one is called Linux. And that, probably one of the biggest ones is called Linux, which is an operating system that is completely open source. And there, you know, there's things to be said about why it's good, why Microsoft did so well in the desktop space, why Apple has done so well recently in the desktop space, why Linux has not done well in the desktop space, but has done super well in the server architecture type space, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, GitHub is a central unifying force of the open source community. And Microsoft is up until probably 2013, not notoriously not good at being a good actor in that community. And Microsoft used to be jokingly, Microsoft strategy jokingly used to be embrace, extend, exterminate. And the most famous example was when Netscape Navigator came out for browsing the web. Microsoft embraced it and added a few, and then they... Uh, so they were like, put Netscape on Windows 95 or whatever, or Windows. This is the general story, not the exact story. And then kind of extended it with their own stuff. Like, oh, here's, here's some different ways of doing this. Let's make, like, we need to do this, so let's make it a little bit better in this way. And then exterminated it by putting those extensions that are now standardized in the web because Microsoft extended it into Internet Explorer and then shipping Internet Explorer on Windows and basically killing Netscape Navigator by not shipping it by default and kind of bugging the shit out of you whenever you installed it instead of Internet Explorer, which is what they still kind of do with Edge and things like that. But that's, 
Anyway, long story short, Microsoft has been a lot better about that, but the tweets and the blog posts and the shit that has come out of today is bad at, like, mind-boggling. Like, there's just so much shit going on right now uh, because of this Microsoft purchasing uh, GitHub for almost $8 billion. There are a lot of people who are saying, this is the new Microsoft. They're way better about this. They're embracing the community. For example, all of the products that I work on are open source. Every single one of them is open source on GitHub, and they have been for years and years. Um, but then there's other people who say, Microsoft is notoriously bad at some of these things, like how, where the fuck is Nokia now? Well, Dead. where was Nokia before you bought them? Well, good point, <laughs> but less dead than they are now. Um, and it's like, has Skype had a great running ever since Microsoft bought it? Has Now, there's other things that have done fairly well, like LinkedIn has done fairly well it's done okay i don't know if you could say it's done better or worse but i would say it's hard to argue against the success of minecraft yeah minecraft has done well and so minecraft is one of those famous examples of microsoft basically bought it and has not touched it they've helped them monetize it and put it on vr and put it on xbox and put it in everywhere else that you on phones and shit um but otherwise minecraft at its core is still pretty much Minecraft. Um, you can still run your own server. They haven't changed any of that kind of stuff. So it's today is an interesting day of, you know, where is it going to go? And you can be sure anything bad will be blamed on Microsoft and anything good will be blamed on Microsoft. <laughs> so um, anyway, it's just an interesting tidbit fact. And I'd say it's a, it's a that's a huge it's there's been lots of interesting purchases like facebook purchasing instagram and things like that but i'd say this has been one of the most divisive purchases i've seen in a long long time all right so everyone this is going to be the aaron talks about the supreme court <laughs> section of the podcast he is on the clock for five minutes starting in nine seconds so are you ready, Aaron? I am ready. And Supreme Court. Okay, so Masterpiece Cake Shop Limited versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. This case was decided today, or at least the opinions came out today. Uh, long story short, a uh, gay couple goes into a cake place. Cake place guy is like, what kind of cake do you want? Showing them cakes and doesn't know they're gay yet. And they're like, we want a cake for our wedding. And they're like, and the, the guy's like, you mean you want a cake for a straight wedding? And they're all like, no, we want a cake for a gay wedding. And he's like, I can't do that. I have sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so they leave. They're a little upset, a little flustered. Um, they file a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which was set up uh, under a law like, Colorado, some anti-discrimination act or something like that. I think that's actually what it is, CADA. Anyway, they file a complaint. CADA um, sides with them. Um, <clears throat> says, yo, cake shop, you have to make a cake for them. Fuck, I'm already a minute in. Okay, so then... Uh, <laughs> That then this is where it gets interesting because a lot of people think this. This is the hard part. A lot of people think this case is about uh, pitting religious freedom versus the you know non discrimination of uh, 
just people. Uh, but it's technically not, because what happened is after the Colorado Civil Rights Commission sided with the gay couple, the cake shop, Masterpiece Cake Shop, sued and went to the Cal- uh, sorry Colorado Supreme Court. So it, it then immediately didn't be, it, it, it's no longer about religious right, religious freedom versus discrimination. It's literally just about religious freedom, which is the crux of this decision here. So Colorado Supreme Court says, no, you still have to make the cake. So appeal to the Supreme Court. La-di-da, we go to the Supreme Court. Uh, the uh, questioning is actually pretty cool, uh, pretty good questioning. But cases decided today, seven to two. That is the five conservatives plus Elena Kagan and, uh, oh, shit, uh, Alito. Sorry, not Alito, Breyer. Am I losing my mind? I'm forgetting. Yeah, Breyer. <laughs> Elena Kagan and Breyer uh, join the five uh, conservative justices, Ginsburg and Sotomayor dissent. <clears throat> but the ruling is super narrow, and which is what pisses me off. Most people wanted the Supreme Court to burst out onto the stage and be like, all right, bitches, this is how we decide cases that pit religious freedom versus discrimination. And as the Supreme Court is often wont to do, they were like, "Mm, we don't really want to go too hard on making a decision one way or the other. So Kennedy writes the opinion. I have two minutes left, Mm -hmm. I believe. And Kennedy is basically like, Yo, we're not saying anything about anything. We're just saying that this guy sued because he believed that his religious freedom, uh, his religious freedoms protected by the First Amendment were abridged. And we are going to say, based on some of the hearings that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had, we are ruling in his favor that his religious freedom was abridged, not by being forced to make the cake. That we're just not even talking about at all. Just by the fact of the way the Colorado Civil Rights Commission treated him in this specific case and by other shit they did. So this is the fun part. I've got a minute and 10 seconds to do the fun part. Uh, They basically said, hey, there is another guy who went to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and was all like, hey, I asked three cake shops to make this cake that had a picture of the Bible and it said gays can't marry and some quotes from the fucking bible and those three cake shops said i'm not making that cake because it has words on it that are basically discriminatory and the colorado civil rights commission was like oh yeah you totally don't have to make a cake with those words okay ginsburg and sotomayor and their descent are like that's bullshit this asshole well sorry i'm calling him an asshole they didn't call him an asshole asked this guy these cake shops to like write pretty much like inflammatory words on this cake. This gay couple did not ask for words. They asked for a cake, same as any other cake. The guy didn't even have to put any men on it or anything. Just a fucking wedding cake, no words. That's all they asked for was a cake with no words. These cases are not the same. And just because the Colorado Civil Rights Commission did not side with the guy who wanted the Bible on his cake with some words, that doesn't mean that they had to side with a guy who wouldn't just make a regular cake. I am done. End of story. And time. Wow, nailed Woo. it. All right, moving on. <sighs> the <laughs> opinions will be in the show notes if anyone actually wants to get more into it. Oh, God, I'm lightheaded. <laughs>
Aaron, are you familiar yes. with the number one YouTuber, the number one non-music-related YouTuber in the world? Uh, if you were to ask me to guess, I would guess I would say I am not familiar. If you mention it, I may know the name. Is it that one guy that's a douchebag with blonde hair? Is it that guy? You've described him, but I think you're oh, describing yes. a different guy. Oh. I think you're talking about Logan Paul. I am talking about Logan Paul. Yeah, that's the right guy. His name. Okay, different douchebag with blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. No offense to guys with blonde hair. I'm sure there's plenty of. We're talking great about ones. PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Okay, I am aware, but I and I am aware that he caused some controversy, but I'm not. I'm not sure how. So I'm going to describe the controversy he caused. Okay. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of the fallout from that so far in the YouTube community. So and and it. Okay, I do. Was it Logan Paul that like? Did a video with a bunch of, like, dead things? No. Logan Paul did the thing where he went to a forest in Japan that is famous for people killing themselves. Yeah. And he found someone who'd killed themselves and filmed a YouTube video with that dead body. Yeah, okay. So that was Logan Paul, which is why everyone thinks he's a douchebag. He was a douchebag before that, too. Well, I mean, yeah, sorry. It was just like, here's more confirmation that Logan Paul is a douchebag. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so PewDiePie... Had number one YouTuber in the world, like it's not confirmed, but some people think he makes millions of dollars for every YouTube video he puts out. Wow. Okay. So what does he do? What does he YouTube? He about? started as a gamer YouTuber, where he would yeah, just stream okay. himself playing video games, and he was one of the ve- first. Like he's just he's Swedish. He's very yeah. eccentric, and he's entertaining, I guess, to watch. And he would just yeah. play games and get very into them and scream and yell and people thought it was fun and got more popular. And now he just kind of just like a, a vlog, like a blog about himself and kind of what he thinks. And he'll play some video games sometimes. And it's just he's it's just like I think his videos like generally get like 20 million views each. Wow. So like he he makes an absolute killing. And yeah. he had a brand deal to make a show for Disney. Okay. And some advertisers came in and said, hey, he talks about Nazis a lot, which he does. Uh, Sometimes he'll dress up as a Nazi when he's playing like a World War II game or something. (laughs) He thinks it's it's really funny, but it's understandable that him parading around as Hitler on his YouTube channel – in most of the cases – like he says things like the Nazis weren't the real problem. He's He's joking. But they're not sensitive jokes. Yeah. It's like you – yeah. By connotation, you can tell that he's not joking. He's just like playing the character of the game or whatever. You could tell that in Europe, they have a very different opinion of the Nazis than they do in the United States. Like there, mm-hmm. it's very I, – I, I suspect. I don't know this. But I think based on the way he is and some other people I've seen, it's just very common to just make fun of Nazis. Whereas yeah. here, Nazis are more of a solemn thing, so we need something to compare our political enemies to that's bad. Okay, <laughs> good point. Um, Rule number 39. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and as a result of that, that blew up. Um, I think that a big reason why that blew up is because news media is very threatened by YouTube. 
and how okay. so many people in the generation, our generation and the younger ones don't watch TV at all because of platforms like YouTube. And so yeah. I think they think that by taking down the number one YouTuber, they're going to in any particular way hurt YouTube, which obviously that wouldn't happen. Interesting. So, like, okay. PewDiePie gets 20 million views per video, which is probably point zero 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 one percent of the minutes, like, the views per minute that YouTube as a total gets. Like, they're not going to yeah. hurt YouTube. But what happened was, is because of all of the news media playing the PewDiePie, they, they edited all of his Nazi videos together to make uh. it look like he was super into Nazis. And this is the number one thing on YouTube, and this is what YouTube is, is a bunch of Nazi sympathizers. Fascinating. Okay. And so a lot of major advertisers for YouTube said, we don't want to advertise on Nazi content. Because the way that advertising on YouTube works is that yeah. an advertiser makes an advertisement, and they give it to YouTube, and then YouTube sticks it into videos. The advertisers don't pick yeah. which videos their ads play on. They just play on any video where the ads are turned on. So the YouTuber itself turns on ads, and then YouTube would just stick ads into their videos, and then based on the number of views that ad gets, the number of clicks that ad gets, the YouTuber gets paid some fractions of a penny. Yeah. I'm sure there's some options. Like, you could say, like, I want, you know, if it has this title, I think that's better for me. Well, they so, didn't you know. used to have that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. They didn't used to have that. But kind of like Facebook can do the same thing. You can say, like, people in this demographic is who I want to target. You can say, I want to target videos of this kind of general type or right. something. And, and so PewDiePie lost his deal with Disney over all of this, and all of that type of stuff happened. But, like, that... I'm not taking either side with PewDiePie. I found some of the things... Like, I know his audience. His audience is young. Yeah. And I think that... As an adult, I can look at his videos and understand that it's a joke, but I also understand how a 11-year-old watching that becomes tomorrow's internet Fortran troll. Like, yeah. That's how it starts. <laughs> so. Yep, I agree. <laughs> so that's the problem. Okay, so that's where the whole YouTube ad issue started. And so what YouTube did in response to this to reassure their advertisers is that they started – a computer algorithm that essentially stuck every video that is created into categories. Mm. And if you fit into some categories, like, so say I'm running Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is going to say, I want no controversy. So only videos with absolutely no controversy will my ads get played on. Yeah. And then if an advertiser wants to put their videos – like, they, they, they can choose a level of controversy. They can kind of, There's, like, categories they can choose within now. So yeah. some of the problems have been that any video that talks about, say, Philip DeFranco is another famous YouTuber. He makes mm -hmm. pop culture commentary videos. It's kind of his whole thing. And because he cusses, every one of his videos got labeled as controversial. And so he lost a ton of money for his channel and for his things – because none of the major advertisers are gonna are willing to advertise on his content anymore because he cusses. There's another okay. famous YouTuber named Brady Heron. Yep. Brady Heron has like ten channels, and one of those channels is called Objectivity. And in mm -hmm. that channel, he goes to like museums and universities and all types of stuff, 
and picks yeah. an object, one object from that entire thing, and just talks about that object. And one of the objects he picked was a naked painting from the Renaissance. And that video yeah. got flagged as nudity, thus no advertising. This is mm. the kind of the things that have resulted from this, this thing. Now, yeah. this brings me to the problem that has started to emerge. Anyone, anytime, so some people have done an experiment, if they put anything related to sex, to gay, to LGBT into the title of their video, automatically controversial, no advertising. Whereas if they mm -hmm. make the title inane and then just talk about that stuff, there's a chance that it won't get labeled. Okay. So this has hurt a lot of the LGBT community YouTubers, which has been like a major source of support for LGBT people is been the YouTube community built around it. And so a lot of so, them aren't getting paid anymore. Yeah. So just to frame this, um, I would guess that what they're probably doing is using some type of machine learning algorithm that basically says, um, you know, they, they have a training algorithm that basically says, the outcome is let me know whether this is controversial or not. I'm going to feed you in a title and maybe the audio. Let's just say title for now. Algorithm or machine learning algorithm. And um, I want you to say controversial or not. And you basically train it by saying if there's a certain percentage of downvotes to upvotes or something like that, maybe it's controversial. And what you're going to have is like – and so this is this actually goes to the other side too. There's a – uh, you know, a, a conservative radio host named Dennis Prager. He does YouTube videos, and a lot of them are marked as controversial or as, you know, behind a flag of being, you know, not explicit, but something else, controversial or something like that. I forget what it is. And it's, it's the same kind of reason where it's just like you have words in your title that are often associated to a high amount of ups and downs, which means they're controversial or whatever, right? Or they might have some other algorithm with just like how often do the comments devolve into insanity? And it's like always. if gay on YouTube, right? Always. Well, all, yeah, always. <laughs> but they probably devolve more often when the title is more, you know, about gay rights or something like that. Let's say, or about Dennis Prager's, you know, conservative videos or something like that. Um, just to frame like how this probably happens is they're trying to make it where they're as far removed from having to make this decision as possible. But what you end up getting is results where there are people out there, probably this fucking baker, who when they see a YouTube video <laughs> that has anything to do with gay rights, they're just going to click the down, the, the, you know, the, the down thumb. And now you've got all this data to suggest that any video with LGBT in the title is controversial now, right? Just because of all these people who are going to end up just clicking that anyway. Well, let me tell you about the new problem that's just recently started to arise. Okay. When you make an advertisement and submit it to AdSense, which is the software that you, Google uses to put ads on videos, you can choose to take to pay Google a little bit less. Like, it's cheaper for you to put the ad on if you're yeah. willing to support controversial things and you can choose okay. what type of controversial things you're willing to put your ad over so mm. say for instance that you were own, owned a sex shop you could pay a little bit less money and choose sex based YouTube videos 
as the place you're advertising because that yeah. works double for you. You're getting a cheaper ad and you're going to hit people that might want your product a bit more rather than yeah. like people who are watching, you know, a science channel probably yes. don't inter- are interested in mega dildos, but someone <laughs> who's watching a sex positive video, maybe they are. Yeah. Well, that more sounds like a good thing, but what started to happen is there's a group of ultra-conservative right-wing people who are making anti-gay, the Bible hates you, come to church videos, and then putting them on to sex-positive LGBT community videos. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> Why can't anything just work? So you'll be watching this video telling you that it's okay to be gay, here are the resources, here's how you talk to your parents, here's an ad... Hey, being gay puts you in hell. Come to church. Back to your sex-positive message. And so now there's this huge uprising in in the YouTube community saying, we need a way to blacklist advertisers. Kind of flipping it on the other side. Basically saying, advertisers can choose which videos they do or don't want. I want to choose which ads I do or don't want. Right. And so... Which... YouTube has recently released a, a very shitty tool to, to start. But, like, right okay. now there is a huge uprising in the, in the YouTube community of just anger that this is happening and YouTube is not responding fast enough to the problem. And I just hmm. been, I've been paying attention to this controversy all week. It's been kind of like two weeks going now where this has started happening, yeah. where all of these sex-positive channels have completely turned off ads. They're making no money because every single one of their ads were these super conservative. And, like, obviously what the super conservative people want to do is shut them down, right? So, like, they're getting yeah. what they want. They're not making any money anymore because it's worth – more to them to not make any money on their videos than it is to continue to pay. And they had to shut off ads for all of their videos because, like, even their videos from 10 years ago were still getting these ads from these yeah. religious organizations. So, um... <laughs> this is fascinating. Uh, so one of the cool things about my job is that I get to make decisions like this. Um, like people are upset about things, they file an issue against us on GitHub, they make a tweet, uh, you know, somebody makes a tweet and then I get an email, hey, did you read this tweet? I'm like, no, I didn't read that tweet. And it's just like, this thing sucks, fix it. Um, except for the fact that I make pretty drab uh, cloud infrastructure tooling, not YouTube's monetization platform. <laughs> And I can guarantee you there are tons of fucking people in tons of fucking meetings just going to town on each other about how to solve this problem. And yet these meetings are probably even worse because they have legal people and they have marketing people and they have a bunch of other people in those meetings. Whereas normally it's just me and like three devs and another product manager, basically. Um But I would say, you know, some of the things that they're probably talking about is they're talking about the extremes, right? Like that's one way that I like to frame it is part of you wants to say, let's make this uh, almost socialized (laughs) where you put fucking ads in, you put fucking videos in, and none of you get any say. (laughs) 
we're just gonna randomly slap videos onto ads. Wait, but they did. That's what it was before. That's what. It, that's and, what it used to be. Yeah. And then Coca Cola and Disney and Axe and all of them said, "Well, fine, no more advertising," and that hurts everyone on YouTube. That hurts YouTube. That hurts Google. And that hurts content creators. Yeah, so the reason why the advertisers have a greater voice is because – sorry, I mean – They do have a greater voice because they're they putting have a in greater vo- billions yeah. of dollars. They're the whole That's thing what I'm that saying. makes it's it like, work. At the end of the day, Google and, – and this is one of the weird things is it's like Google the, – the, the best way to put it is yeah, Google doesn't need the content creators. They kind of do. Yeah, they do. But they – but they also know that they have way more of the power in that relationship. When you're a person who has basically quit your daytime job because you're PewDiePie or uh, what was that one girl's name that was hilarious? I don't watch her anymore. Jenna Marbles? Jenna Marbles. But, man, her first few videos were amazing. Like, they basically quit their jobs and, like, this is how they feed themselves now. And so... There's a lot of content creators who are running on YouTube as a platform for them to feed themselves. Whereas Google wants to rake in the dough, but like doesn't need any, like if 10% of content creators drop out to, you know, because of this, they are going to have other people fill in content and things like that. That really hurts content creators is that all of these content creators, PewDiePie, Jenna Marbles, you know, Grace Helbig, yeah. Slow Mo guys, Simon Brett Link, Simon Gertz, the Hank Hank and John Green, There's Simone, Simone Gertz, whatever. Like you know, all of these people, yeah, total up like all of them total up less than ten percent of YouTube's views. Exactly, because YouTube <laughs> is essentially a music platform now, and yeah. the That's billion or so views that Gangnam Style got is going to be more views than most of those major channels have gotten in their history. And that one combined. song. <laughs> like, come on. So, yeah, YouTube is going out of their way, and Google's going out of their way to, like, because uh, YouTube gets a terrible rap because a lot of shitty stuff happens there, but a lot of That's really true. great stuff happens there. And this is, like, YouTube has been the focus point for a huge part of the Me Too movement. A lot yep. of women empowerment happening there. It was a huge part of the LGBT movement. A lot of... Like, this is how nobodies got hurt by yes. huge audiences. And it's just – and it's props to Google for putting in so much effort into making the content creators – making it possible for them to make a living. To have some voice, yeah, like, and make a living out of that voice. Andrew Huang is a famous music YouTuber who just makes tons of really quirky, weird music videos. And if you see his fucking house – you will see that he's done well. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's huge on YouTube. He's a positive force. Um, like, he's probably the biggest positive force. Like, he's pure positivity. Every one of his videos. So, so in, but see, this is the interesting that I, thing that I'd say. And, and this kind of goes back to that GitHub-Microsoft discussion. Is like, at the end of the day, you know that a big piece of what Google is going to be discussing right now is that, yes, advertisers are where the piece that we take out of the money comes from, right? They're the ones that are – when we take a 2% or 10% or whatever it is cut, it's coming from them. The content creators, like you said, are only a small piece of what – you know. 
You actually want to know what the cut is? I don't know. What is, uh, what is it? For every dollar an advertiser gives to a video, uh-huh. $0.55 cents goes to the creator, $0.45 cents goes to Google. Holy hell. Yeah, so, <laughs> dang. Uh, that's, that. yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, but I will guarantee there are people, and it, there's a lot of people, I would say, sitting in these rooms advocating for the content creators. Like, these people really do care. You know, I like literally I was in a meeting today where like we would get deep into the weeds of how are we going to engineer this thing or whatever. And at the end of the I you know, I keep saying like, okay, cool. But how are like, how is this going to impact customers? We can quote unquote make this thing work, but it's going to be hard for the customer for these reasons or whatever. Like I guarantee there are people sitting in the room like, you know, how do we advocate better for the content creators? Like even though they're not the quote unquote monetary lifeblood lifeblood of the service they are the you know cultural and you know uh social lifeblood of the service they deserve our attention and you know our thought things like that but i'd say they're basically pitting make it purely socialistic <laughs> which is you get ads randomly and you get placed on videos randomly and shut the fuck up about it coke you might have an ad on Gangnam Style, and you might have an ad on the sex shop, or the you know the sex positive video, or whatever it is, or PewDiePie's videos with a. As it for as an example of, of this, we talk about John and Hank Green a lot. They have a slew yeah. of channels that are educational. Yeah. You know, they have Crash Course, which mostly does liberal arts. They have SciShow, which does the sciences. But then they have Financial Diet. Another one of their yep. shows. They have got healthcare triage. Another one of their shows. You can kind of guess what those two focus on. Financial data. It's mostly personal finance. Healthcare triage is healthcare, health news, all type yeah. of stuff. And then they have another channel that they put out that they know they cannot advertise on anymore. Which is called Sexplanations, where they just uh-huh. explain sex. But like ever since the ad change, they don't even put ads on that channel anymore because they're just not worth it. They, yeah. they keep the channel running because it's useful to people to have a place where they can go that isn't – like kids don't want to ask their parents about sex. This is a place – and there's a lot of videos on there and there is some crazy shit they've covered. I guarantee no 13-year-old can't find what they're looking for there. Yeah. And so it's just like – it sucks that they can put out this content that's useful to people but they can't make money on it anymore. Because it's controversial, even though it's purely educational. Yeah. Um, but then I'd say the, the complete other side is give advertisers every option to choose what shit. But they're not going to. This, like, imagine yeah. this, the, the, like, from Coke's perspective, there's 2,000 hours of content being uploaded to YouTube per minute. They are not going to sift through that to pick which videos they want to advertise on. There sure, has- but I mean like some type of rules. Like I don't want this in the title. I do want this in the title. I want to use your controversial algorithm. I don't want to use your controversial algorithm, things like that. To me, it's like – But that all depends I, I can, on the quality of that algorithm, right? So how does know, that algorithm decide thing. what's controversial? Because it's going to mess up sometimes, right? It's going to flag something. That's, well, that's the thing that's frustrating is it's like – and it could just say once you get to more than 
60-40 upvote, downvote skew. Or, Every you know, like, video Logan Paul puts up, I guarantee, meets that criteria. You yeah, would have so Coke that... advertising on a video of a kid laughing at a man who hung himself. I guarantee that's not the message Coke wants to be associated with. No, no, no. I mean the opposite of that. Right? So if you're in the – if you've got more than 90 – you know, 90% thumbs up or 80% thumbs up, it's not controversial, right? Like Gangnam Style. If we look at Gangnam Style, but see, that that's the thing. It's not, the up and down votes yes. aren't really supposed to, like, judge whether it's Yeah, because then you just get bots to upload and, upload and upvote and downvote your videos. Yeah, I mean, even Gangnam Style is 14 million up, 2 million down. I mean, that's still, like, greater than 80%, but... Whatever. I mean, you're right. I, I don't know how this algorithm works, and that's one of the things that's unfortunate to me is I think there are educational videos like Explanation, and while I don't agree with the content in Prager's videos, like I agree that a lot of it is not controversial in my opinion. I, I mean, honestly, I think it's controversial. It's a little controversial in my opinion sometimes, but like <laughs> they're trying to get like put out their conservative message. And other than that, it's not super controversial, right? Unfortunately, being uh, you know a climate science skeptic is not controversial anymore because America. Uh, we've turned that somehow into an actually vibrant debate where it shouldn't be. So technically, not controversial in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, like, I, I really don't know how that algorithm works, but I think it's unfortunate that, yes, there's going to be content on both sides of different issues that are fundamentally not controversial. And maybe there's one, like, what I'd say, like, PewDiePie, maybe there's one video where it's like, okay, he went a little far. Let's just say that one's a little too, like, okay, that made me some people feel uncomfortable I see, and I don't. That's the that's the problem with this type of stuff. Like machine learning is great for a lot of applications. It's also really shitty for a lot of applications. But PewDiePie, um, I want listener Aaron. Yes. When we're done here, after we finish recording this, and after you're done listening to this, go to YouTube uh -huh. and watch the most recent PewDiePie video. Okay. I can absolutely – I don't know what it is. I haven't looked. You won't understand what the fuck's going on. <laughs> it, like, it, like I can see a Coca-Cola advertiser watching PewDiePie and being like, what is happening? Like because it has become so memeified. It has become so inside jokey that if you aren't in PewDiePie's world – you're it makes no not sense. Gonna get it. it makes yeah, no sense. Okay. Like I try watching a PewDiePie video. This is the most popular man on YouTube. He makes a million dollars for every video he puts out. And I watch a video and I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> every time I just don't. It's not that it's not funny. I don't get it. That's amazing. I don't get it. Like it's it just yeah. I don't understand. And it's like this video has like 17 million views and it came out two hours ago. How is this happening? Like. Vlog brothers think it's a good video if they get 200,000 views, and this guy's pulling yeah. in 20 million a fucking hit. And I, and the vlog brothers are so well thought out, they're scripted, I know. they're interesting, it's... and the PewDiePie stuff, I'm like, I'm old. I don't get it. Like, I don't, the yeah. teenagers think this is amazing, and I don't understand. So uh, what, I, what I would think would be interesting, 
And... But can you imagine being like a 55-year-old marketing exec who spent your entire life advertising and television, and then you see your ad on a PewDiePie video, and you're like, what did we just endorse? Buy. Yeah, what did yeah. we buy? Like, what is... What are we getting? Like, I can understand that frustration. I'm not even halfway as old as that executive probably is, and I don't get it. I don't know what I just bought. Yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of it is probably going to be... So it's weird because... Advertising, in my opinion, is too content-based. You know, you got all this stuff where it's like, oh, so-and-so said such-and-such on Fox News and, like, half the advertisers pulled out or whatever. And then so-and-so. And to me, I'd say if what's it, McCall, like the, the catheter cowboy <laughs> wants to advertise on Fox News, I don't view that as an endorsement of Hannity as much as they know that Hannity's viewers need catheters. <laughs> Right? And, and so, like, that's to me, you're not advertising to people who are conservative. Like, conservative and liberals all use fucking catheters. What you're trying to do is just say, this content is tailoring to this market. And, and so that's why when so-and-so pulls out of so-and-so's show, it's like, eh. It's like, okay, that's a gesture. But really, at the end of the day, you're trying to, your, your advertising sh- is in almost every other market it, it, in a purely marketing person if they could just say i want exactly these people these are the demographics i want i think they would almost not care at all about the uh the content if they didn't get lambasted for that content the only reason people pull their shit out of pewdiepie or out of uh you know hannity or whoever whoever it was most recently, is because of this, oh, they support Hannity. Uh, Like, kind of? Hannity draws in a certain market, and they know that those are the people who they want to get to buy catheters or whatever. Uh, Yeah, and... uh, Technically, they support Hannity. Like, it goes to Hannity's show, sure. But, like, I never viewed it as, like, that's why they advertise. They're not advertising to support Hannity. They're advertising to get people to buy their shit. But the reason why you wanted to pull out is if you somehow got every advertiser to pull off of Hannity's show, then Hannity's show doesn't exist anymore because now it's financially, like, non-solvent. Yeah, and so there's, like, that weird economic aspect to it. But at the end of the day, I really think that the advertising should be decoupled. So I, I almost wonder if YouTube should just kill that budget and just say, hey, we're fucking Google. We know their gender. We know what type of videos. And like, Maybe you could say, I want to only advertise to people who watch these types of videos. Like this is the demographic I'm going after or something like that. Well, that's not the right? world that advertisers live in. I know. It's not the world that, yeah, exactly. It's not the world, it's all about content, and, and you have to kind of guesstimate, I want to target this crowd, or whatever. Uh, yeah, so, uh, man, this this is a topic for which I feel woefully, I don't know anything about marketing. Um, I feel woefully un, un, <laughs> under... Uh, or not knowledgeable about the topic of And I guarantee people exactly like you are the ones designing the advertising scheme for YouTube because marketing people That's, aren't doing it. 
That's true. I mean, I'm sure that's true. Like, there's, there's definitely... It's you at Google <sighs> is making the algorithm. And, yeah, exactly. Um... That's true. It's going to be a lot of... But it, I, I can guarantee that some people are... Like, some marketing people are thinking, okay, it's time for us to step in and figure out what the fuck we're going to do here. Um, and maybe it just needs to be... And that's why I say there's then the other purely free market... Every content provider and every advertiser has all types of just like your email rules. If title contains this, I wanna I wanna be on it for sure. Like I wanna you to give me I'll pay more for that. If title has this, I don't wanna be on but it. The title ever, what if the know? title doesn't describe the video? I know. Well, so yeah, that's that's just, hey. At a certain point you only have so much tools to and maybe well, at some point they'll get it like if audio contains the f word more than six times. Right. I so they don't want, the current know. algorithm looks at the actual video, scans the video, yeah. and it scans the transcripts of the audio. So like they already have a pretty in depth system. It's just making the system do what they want it to do. Closing thought. Yeah, a, closing thought on this. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as I I brought up the most recent PewDiePie video. Uh, and I watched uh-huh. the first second of it, uh-huh. and I'm confused. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Interesting. I thank you for bringing this to my attention. You're right. I just watched two seconds, and I'm also confused. <laughs> All right, Rob. Tweet, mail, Facebook, Japan. Covered it. <laughs> Covered it. Uh, yeah, check us out. We got stuff going on in media. Um, you know, come talk to us. We'd love to hear from yeah. you. Yeah, come, come talk to us. Um, feel free to post on Facebook and let us know if you want to join us for an episode. We are picky, and we're pretty nice. True. True. I'm. I feel like I'm kind of nice. Our HR department has gotten zero complaints so far. Yeah, that's this is true. Both employees happy. <laughs> great, great benefits. What you're getting benefits? Um, <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. We've got a 38 percent increase in downloads from last week. Really? So that's that's cool. Went from 47 to 65, but I don't know. Maybe that's just because we're awesome. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say we're awesome. I agree. Um, yeah, hit us up on Facebook. Feel free to drop a, drop some knowledge on us like Brent did. Um, feel free to suggest topics. Feel free to contest anything that we've said. Um, I would love to uh, hear your feedback on my five-minute dump of the Supreme Court case. Let us know if you prefer that rather than a 30-minute diatribe. Uh, and if you don't I, say anything, we're going to assume you want the 30-minute diatribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got anything else? Nope.